Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who preferred the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Hello, fellow WNYXicans. I'm Thaddeus, and I'm here with I Love Cake Tom. Hello. And Badger GM88 Lauren. Hi there. All right, I just read their t-shirts. That's all I really did with that. <laughs> um, this episode, The Breakup, is part of our Dave and Lisa unit of episodes. And right now, we're going to go to the Agent Zero Pew Pew plot synopsis with Lauren. Okay, so this episode, titled The Breakup, was Season 2, Episode 4, it originally aired on October 31st, 1995, Halloween. Halloween. In the aftermath of a big fight in which Dave called Lisa the B-word, they are tricked by Beth into revealing their affair to the staff. Matthew obtains a copy of Bill's birth certificate as a birthday gift to Catherine, leading to the reveal of Bill's real name. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, thank you. Uh, now, we've chosen a couple categories and games, which I, as host, will award out to points for, uh, the answers and arguments of each contestant. At the end of Part A, I will award one lucky contestant our episode's ABSA Award for Excellence in Podcasting. So we're going to get started with Round 1, ABSA Fever. All right, ABSA Fever, we're going to do uh, what scene you would show to a new person. We're going to alternate. Everyone's going to give you one at a time, and then I'm going to evaluate based on how much I like what you're telling me. So, we're going to go with Tom first. Tom, what scene would you show to a new person? Uh, I would go with the opening, the cold open, um, with Bill, Catherine, and Matthew. Uh, the dynamic between Catherine and Bill is really good. Um, Bill interrupting Catherine, Catherine slapping Bill, um, back and forth, uh, all the way up to uh, Catherine shoving the, the uh, cupcake, cupcake into Matthew's face. So, right. yeah, that's the one. All right, that's good. That's obviously a good one. Uh, Lauren, what did you have for uh, a scene that you would show to a new person? Okay, so my first choice is the scene in the men's room where Dave reveals to Jimmy that he and Lisa had a fight. Mm -hmm. It's one of those scenes where they have those short rapid-fire lines back and forth, and I always love a good Dave and Jimmy scene anytime, but the rapid-fire scenes are always the best. Excellent, excellent. That was actually my number one scene, too, so you were off to a great start, Lauren. Uh, <laughs> All right. Tom. A, qu a quickie, but I like <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, Tom, what was the second scene that you would pick to show to a new person? Uh, well, it's as far as it's um, the scenes between the meeting room um, after after they've uh, confessed to the staff. Okay. That into Dave's office, all the way out to the elevator. Okay, I, I consider that kind of like one scene, even though it goes a couple different places. Yeah, to me, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty contained. You know, it, yeah, it's cohesive. So that um, where they pull Beth in into the office, and then they're leaving, and they have to walk out. That yeah. whole scene <laughs> when they get out to the elevator, uh, leading up to Bill's classic dance. Uh, so that that's. 
that's the scene I, I like next best. Excellent, excellent. That is actually my number two on my list, so that is a great way to come back uh, and put some pressure on Lauren here. Lauren, what is the second scene that you would show to a new person? Okay, my second scene is the scene where Catherine receives Bill's birth certificate. <laughs> I feel like even if you had no idea what the Bill-Catherine dynamic was like, I yeah. think a new person could pick it up from Catherine's performance. It was fantastic. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Um, okay, so I scored that one nine for Tom, two eight for Lauren. So we're off to a, a good start. A lot of things I like, a lot of points getting thrown around already. Category two, what quote is most usable or you would want to use in real life? So Lauren, you're going to go first this time? Okay. For most usable, I'm going with, I don't see how that's relevant to this conversation. <laughs> Used in a situation where someone asks me something that is definitely relevant to the conversation. <laughs> in particular, this is funny at work when someone asks me something that is explicitly part of my job description. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me an example? I'm just curious at this point. <laughs> like, do you have those budget numbers? They're due tomorrow. I don't see how that's relevant to this conversation. <laughs> 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 I'm just hoping that the person you say it to appreciates it because that is funny. <laughs> that, it, like, if not, you make sure you tweet us because we will definitely laugh at it. Because somebody has to appreciate it, right? right. Absolutely. Uh, Tom, what is a quote that you find most usable or you would want to use in real life? Well, you could change the numbers around, but you may be 36, but you still have the spark and sass of a 35-year-old. <laughs> yeah, right? Anybody's age works perfect. It's, it's great. Nice. Okay. Uh, Lauren, what is your second uh, quote that you would like to use in real life? You think it's usable? My second one is really just one word. Taboo. <laughs> but it, but I it started laughing, so it's already pretty good. <laughs> it, it has to be said the way Matthew says it the second time. <laughs> and taboo. it comes to mind whenever the word taboo comes up in conversation, I have to repeat it in that <laughs> exact tone. Taboo. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm laughing because I completely understand. <laughs> Just whispering to yourself, taboo. Yeah, I get it. Um, Tom, what's going to be your second choice? Oh my, this is delicious. Yeah, that's actually my number one right there. That, right. Is, that, can, that can be used in any kind of situation where it's awkward for somebody or, you know, like, it's like, dun, 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 you know, any kind of thing like that where it's, it's a surprise thing. Oh my, that is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so I actually scored that eight to seven for Tom. Tom managed to hit two of my top ones with his quotes right there. All right, so that moves us along to our third category of what gag or bit did you think had the biggest impact on the episode? And we're only doing one of these. So, uh, uh, Tom. Yeah. I think the best gag was Beth trying to keep the story straight, you know, uh, oh. depending on you know, who she was talking to and like even taking the instructions from Dave about like, okay, this is why you're upset. And this is why Lisa's upset. I'm not going to make it up for you. <laughs> but then yeah. she winds up doing that when Joe enters the break room about the tickets and the whole thing. And it's just like having a breakdown, which, which is great. All right. Good stuff. 
Lauren, what gag? <laughs> you're already smiling. What gag did you think <laughs> had the biggest impact on the episode? I mean, there's so many good ones. It's hard to pick. So I'm going with the gag of Bill spotting the handoff. Yep. Of like the keys twice, and then the sock in the bag. That was my number one. He's though it's the way he's totally satisfied with whatever flimsy explanation they <laughs> offer him, and it's basically that. The second he realizes it's not about him, he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> that's, that's another point. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely right. Like that was that's like also on my list. You guys do a great job, a great job of uh, making the host happy. Um, but yeah, I I absolutely love that gag as well. Just every time something gets handed off. What was that? What's that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> it just goes back business as usual. All right, not about me. Um. Okay, so I actually scored that five to three for Lauren. Hey, look at that. We're tied. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. Our long-standing tradition of tying up continues. Uh, Lauren, we are going to go to the fourth category here, which is what you thought the coolest detail of the episode was. A nice, adequate touch. All right, and we're only doing one apiece for this one as well. So, Lauren, what did you think was uh, the, the good one? The adequate touch is Bill's dance. Partly because you don't even have to say which one. You could say to anybody who's ever watched news radio, be like, the Bill dance. And they know exactly what you're talking about. It's that scene. Okay. And I would really love to know what direction Phil Hartman received to arrive at that particular move. Um, I think it's just a great example of how literally everything Phil did was funny, even if he wasn't speaking. But... um, I think they probably had to frame the scene the way they did where you can't see Dave's face or Lisa's face because yeah. I can't imagine there's any way they kept mm. it together. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to shoot that. Like, and it, you know, the last time I rewatched it, I'm like, there's no music. Like, that's what's crazy about it. It's like, there's not like there's music he's dancing to. Right. He just goes right into that wiggle and gives him the big kiss send-off as they leave the office. And just like, I was like, Phil Hartman. You know, like, this is what talent looks like. Phil Hartman. Yeah. Yep. Great. All right. Uh, Tom, what did you think was the coolest detail in the episode? What was a nice, adequate touch? Uh, I I liked Dave and Lisa's walk out of the booth to the elevators. It was kind of like this shuffling lurch kind of okay. thing. And it was just really funny. It was so awkward. I, I thought they really sold it well. Okay. All right, so yeah, I know what you mean. When he does, it is a weird, like, they make the big deal of them walking out in the first place. Right. Uh, you know, Beth, and they try to hold hands. <laughs> That's not <laughs> uh, And they walk out. But yeah, when he comes out, he's not walking normally. It is some no. sort of weird type of shuffle. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, like, they feel so awkward, they forgot how to walk. Right, <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, oh, you're monster mashing or something like that. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you warming up? Is there a big game? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Side by shuffles. Um, okay. Ultimately, I like Lauren's answer. Lauren gets four. Tom gets two. And we're moving into the fifth category here. Fifth of seven for round one. Uh, and this is the Bill. I still. Oh, no. I'm sorry. This is the, the episode Enigma. What is a, a question that you have based on this episode? All right, and Tom, you're going first on this one. Okay. Um, my question, how did Matthew get a hold of Bill's mom? Like, do they have her number somewhere? Is she like an emergency contact or something? And they gave out that information to Matthew? Why would you do that? <laughs> True. That is that's a good question. Like, okay. 
Yeah. Um, although, you know what? I'll say this. I don't think I was surprised when he said that. <laughs> he was kind of like, oh, of course. Of course he knows. Right. But that's a good question. How did he get Bill's mother's number? All right. Laura, what was your uh, episode enigma? When Dave and Lisa leave the bar at the end and everyone else is pretending to talk about the Cowboys-Bears game, <laughs> Catherine says she missed the fourth quarter. And then Bill says she missed the interception in the first half. Yeah. Does Bill think the fourth quarter of football is in the first half? I mean, or is that the joke? <laughs> that the conversation is so fake that he didn't even bother to try to get it right. It's, also, okay. the weekend preceding the episode, uh, the Cowboys played the Atlanta Falcons, and the Bears did play the Monday night game, but it was against the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. Just and for the record. This episode <laughs> took place on a Wednesday, so there was no football game the night before. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not sure what happened here. <laughs> took a left turn somewhere out of the end. Uh, but yeah, your unanswerable question is like, does Bill not understand football? Or... <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. I think that's fair. I just assumed it was supposed to be real, real fake to uh, to show how they were. <laughs> they were just trying to pretend to get them out of the area so they can snap back from the talking. Right. Uh, I'm gonna give Tom three and Lauren two for this round. And um, yeah, I just love the way it flows into Catherine being able to. to get that last joke on him and, and call him by his real name so that is a as actually a really good scene too i was kind of surprised that maybe that didn't come up earlier okay uh moving on you're now in category six the bill i stole your cane keepsakes all right what item would you take from the set of the episode to display or wear we're gonna do two per person alternating again so lauren what is something that you would keep from this episode i want bill's birth certificate assuming the prop master mocked up an actual birth certificate and wasn't just like a blank piece of paper. Nice. Um, I would really love to see like what little Easter eggs they planted on there because I'd imagine there's something. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is a really good one. Tom, what do you got? Uh, I want the uh, pocket watch that Beth is wearing around mm. her. That, that's great. Yep. That was actually number one on my list too. <laughs> so you get an extra point. Tom four, <laughs> Lauren three. Lauren, you need to start reading my mind a little bit better here. I don't, I don't know. You've got to work on that. Yeah, I mean, Tom is just pop, pop, pop. Like, I don't know what's going on with you today. Uh, what is the second one that you had, Lauren? Um, I'm going to go with the sock in the bag. Okay. Mostly so I could, like, I would, like, frame it and hang it somewhere prominent. And then when people would ask me about it, I would just say it's a white sock in a plastic bag and not <laughs> offer any further explanation. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. I thought about that. Like, it catches my attention during the episode. I keep on looking at it and, like, kind of examining a little bit. All right. Uh, Tom, what is your second one? Uh, I like Bill's coat that he's wearing. This is a jacket. It's like a gray tweed kind of thing. I, I like it. Okay. Uh, reversal of fortune. Lauren has seven and Tom gets six. Lauren comes storming back. Uh, at this point, the math is beyond me. <laughs> I'll have to settle it at the break. Uh, so our final category of round one for Abs of Fever is our MVP and runner-up. Uh, Tom, who did you have for the MVP of this episode? Beth. All right, and Lauren, who did you choose? Catherine. All right, let's get it on. Tom, you have the first. You have the first go. Why was Beth the MVP of this episode? Uh, because for the A story, she's really got all the tension kind of put on her. You know, she's getting from multiple sides she's having to keep everything straight um she really propels 
the the, the action forward action okay. but the story you know so yeah and yeah. she's got some of the funnier lines too so yeah okay i'll go with that lauren why is Catherine the mvp of the episode well we all know Catherine was criminally underused over the life of this show mm-hmm. this was one episode where she really got to shine and she made a whole meal of it and I just love her quick switching of emotions between being mad at Bill and trying to coddle Matthew a little, then smashing the cupcake in his face. And yeah. again, when she's opening the present and ultimately she won the episode with her Evelyn, Evelyn reveal at the end. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a that's a good list of examples right there that uh, that I, I can't overcome. Catherine was actually my MVP on my list as well. So Lauren's going to get that five to three. Um, I did think it was a great episode for Catherine. She gets to react a lot. And like you said, she she just bounces back and forth. And that's actually you know, something she does really well. Especially when she's in Dave's office uh, trying to get his birthday, uh, <laughs> Bill's birthday. You know, like she's just able to transform that voice from like sweet to menacing. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so seamlessly. Fast. You know, in the look. So I really thought that this was a Catherine episode. I thought she really had an opportunity to, to you know, show off some of the things that she could do and, and you're right she was she was criminally underused yes. so um now while i tally up these points uh lauren is going to give us the reaction to this episode from the message boards this is a segment we like to call the freakzilla report okay so here we go the freakzilla report is reactions to the episode from the time that it aired This is an early season two episode, so the Usenet forums existed, but they still hadn't really picked up traction at this point. It wasn't really until January of 1996 that we started seeing regular posts and as many as 10 to 20 posts per week. So there aren't a lot of reactions to this episode until we get to the back half of season two. That being said, I searched out reactions to this episode that occurred after the fact, some as it appeared in syndication, and some just whenever this episode came to the minds of the Usenet members. So, there was a post on the day that there was, oh, there was one post on the day this episode aired, but it wasn't specifically about this episode, but I still thought it was worth sharing. Someone named Mark Plum asked, what's Joe's last name? <laughs> and no one ever answered him. Wow. <laughs> So, Mark Plum, if you're listening, it's been 27 years. I hope you figured out his last name is Gorelli. <laughs> Mark Plum, the first person to ask. You know, and hopefully the first person to say, your name is Gorelli? <laughs> um, that is that's so perfectly in line with the show. Do we know what episode they, they first do that joke? Um, I'm sure I have it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> I can yeah. I can look that up for you on the break. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to look into that because now I'm curious of when they actually pulled that one out. When did it become a thing? I I've I've got it. I just got to look it up. Um, there was a thread in 1999 started by Stingy WNYX asking everyone what their favorite episode from each season was, and for season two, this episode got the second most votes right after Bitch Session. Hmm pretty popular episode i don't know if i would go with either of those no no (laughs) interesting interesting in 2003 there was a thread where someone posed the question what is your favorite news radio scene of all time which i thought was an interesting Mm -hmm. question Uh, the scene in this episode with dave and jimmy in the bathroom was the first one mentioned and then a lot of people seconded that it was their favorite scene of all time as well interesting wow yeah 
Yeah, it's a good scene. I just didn't know that it was going to be that type of popular. Right. I guess no. it's just memorable, probably more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, the bathroom scenes do tend to get a little more, bit more memorable just because it's, they're not in there as much. So it's like, you know, oh, it's just that's that true. change of scene, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. I agree for sure. And that has been the Freakzilla Report. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that Freakzilla Report. We just like saying Freakzilla. Uh, <laughs> right now we're going to go into the second and final round. We actually have a tie. I was trying to throw around points to, <laughs> to break it up a little bit, but we are tied 36 apiece uh, as we go into round two here. So. Round two is a little bit more social. We like to call it the Marty Party. It's going to be our versions of buy or sell and would you rather. Uh, and remember, a good Marty Party does not an absent make, except sometimes it does. It's still anyone's game, so here we go. Uh, we're going to start with our buy or sell, and we call it, is it the real deal or is it the McNeil perspective? In this game, contestants will get a statement and have to explain why they either buy the statement as the real deal or sell it as the McNeil perspective. And we are going to start with Lauren. And our statement is, Bill stopped harassing Catherine on her birthday after Catherine used Bill's birth certificate to do something super duper sweet for Bill on his birthday. All right. Bill stopped harassing Catherine on her birthday after Catherine used Bill's birth certificate to do something super duper sweet for Bill on his birthday. Is this the real deal or is this the McNeil perspective? This is the McNeil perspective. Bill hates to be outdone. We see it in the episode where he had Catherine and they were pranking each other. Right. I think whenever, whatever Catherine's super duper sweet payback was, it just motivated Bill to outdo her the following year. I don't think this bit ever ended. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. So, Tom, tell me why this statement is actually the real deal. This is the real deal. Uh, we've seen two times... Uh, in the first two seasons that Bill uh, tries to give Catherine a lot of grief on her birthday. And you never see it again after this because she got him so badly. She's all, she's got the goods on him that he thought was impossible for her to get. So on that, just on the birthday, he leaves her alone. All right. I like that. That was a good way to come back strong. So we're going to tie that one up for a piece going into our second statement. All right. Uh, so, Tom, you're going to go first this time. Matthew senses Dave and Lisa have a connection and then tracks down Bill's birth certificate. It's Matthew's most competent day of work in the entire series. All right. Matthew senses Dave and Lisa have a connection and then tracks down Bill's birth certificate. It's Matthew's most competent day of work in the entire series. Is this the real deal or is this the McNeil perspective? It may be his only competent day of work in the entire series. This is this is the real this is the real deal. Um, okay. I don't recall him ever doing anything even remotely close to like this level of competence the rest of the series. Okay, Lauren, why don't you tell me why this statement is actually the McNeil perspective? This is the McNeil perspective. But it depends on your definition of competent, because sensing Dave and Lisa's connection and tracking down Bill's birth certificate are not job-related tasks, but he did display some competency here. But by that definition, wouldn't tracking down Mr. James in The Lamb or correctly addressing vendor invoices when Bill was boss or any of his accomplishments in the Smatthew episode be more impressive? Okay. 
That is those examples. <laughs> Got to put you over the top. You get the point three four. Uh, the correct answer is that when Matthew was a dentist, he was much more competent uh. and more productive. <laughs> that's that was the one that I was, I was like, if somebody gets that one, that's the home run right there. Um, <laughs> but good way to get both sides here. All right, statement number three. I'm um, coming back to Lauren for the first one, answer. The breakup is a good title for this episode. Right. The breakup is a good title for this episode. So, Lauren, is this the real deal or the McNeil perspective? This is the McNeil perspective. No one breaks up. They didn't even use the words breakup in the episode. If anything, Led Zeppelin should have been named the breakup because that's when they actually broke up. I would propose the B word as a better episode title here. Oh, that gets an extra point. That's a really good suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. Real <laughs> yeah. recognize real. That was good. Um, <laughs> so why don't you tell me why this is the, re- uh, the real deal, Tom? The real deal. Uh, there, there is a breakup, but it's not the one that we think. It's, it's the breakup of, of Beth being the secret keeper for Lisa and Dave, where she finally stabs. That's, that's where the break happens. Okay. All right, that goes four to two for Lauren. And we are going to go to our last question of our real deal on McNeil. All right, and Tom, you'll go first on this one. So, uh, Bill is the worst dressed main cast character in this episode. All right, Bill is the worst dressed main cast character in this episode. Is that the real deal or is that the McNeil perspective? That is the McNeil perspective. Um, Bill is not the worst dressed. That is clearly either Joe, who looks like he's ready to go to a Smashing Pumpkins concert, or Matthew with his <laughs> split pea brownish sweater yeah, thing. So. Okay. I like that we got a couple other options there. Uh, all right. Lauren, why don't you tell me why this is the real deal? Okay. This is the real deal. You can't count Dave or Jimmy in this type of statement because they pretty much wear the exact same thing over the entire life of the show. Um, everyone else looks very 90s chic. Bill is the only one who looks a little bit of out of place in time with the casual plaid shirt with the blazer. It's kind of an odd choice, and it's just all around not a great look for him. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's a, not much you can do with that. It's going to go 3-2 to Tom. Uh, but I, I have to kind of agree with that. I actually thought Lisa was the worst dressed in the episode. Oh, that was for my McNeil answer. It was that Lisa is objectively the worst dressed in this episode. Okay. That skirt is terrible. It's terrible. good the to know that too, I was the only all one. of it. I was just like, just, it's just not working. Like it just, I don't know if it ever works, but it's just not working for me. This gray on gray um, and the shirt's too small and the skirt's too big. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. But I also agree. Uh, like Bill, Bill was, it was so uh, monochrome. It was like his outfit almost matched his hair. You know, it, it had a weird effect for me where I was just like, this is the tan man here. Um, okay. All right, so we're going to move on to our second game of round two. Uh, we, uh, our final game of the show is a would-you-rather game based on ideas related to the episode. All right, we're going to have a short discussion on each choice, then draft our answers, and whoever's day sucks the least will win this game. So here are the choices. Uh, choice one, have your first name be a traditionally gendered name for the opposite sex for example a boy named sue or have the same name as a popular instantly recognizable somewhat divisive celebrity such as joe rogan wendy williams or taylor swift also i was thinking of office space with michael bolton 
All right, I'm gonna repeat those one more time. Uh, would you rather have your first name be a traditionally gendered name for the opposite sex, or have the same name as a popular, instantly recognizable, somewhat divisive celebrity? And we are gonna go back to Lauren to start this one off. I would rather have my first name be a traditionally gendered name for the opposite sex. Um, I think it's it makes your name unique, and the more you hear it, the less gendered it sounds. Like the example I thought of was Elliot from Scrubs, because I've watched so much of that show, I don't even think of Elliot as a gendered name anymore. Like it could be for a boy or a girl. So I feel like it becomes normal after a while. Okay, I can see that. Tom, what would you pick out of these two choices here? Yeah, I would, I would go with uh, the first one as well. Um, have the traditionally gendered name for the opposite sex uh, rather than like some other celebrity. Because it's like then people are just, it's constantly, oh, that's your name. Uh. Like, I don't want to hear that. So. <laughs> <laughs> just like office space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one is a little bit tough. Uh, I was actually leaning towards the celebrity name. But I, the more like the more I think about, it, like you said, it's just like anytime you call for an appointment, anytime that you give your name for anything, everyone's gonna give you that reaction. So I probably want to deal with it. Everybody's going like, "That's your name," you know, like, <laughs> all the time. Because I figure that's that's probably the other side of the reaction. Also, every time they did something newsworthy, it would be super annoying really fast. Like everyone's yeah. gonna want to tell you about, yeah. "Oh, did you hear what that guy did today?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I heard it fifty times already. Thanks. Imagine your name is Chris Rock. <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh boy oh boy um all right new, number two uh have have everyone would you rather have everyone at your job assume and openly make frequent jokes that you and a co-worker are cheating on your jealous spouses with each other you are not or have a secret affair at work you're both single but have to make up excuses and lies to cover it up at least twice a day and may get caught Okay. Would you rather have everyone at your job assume and openly make frequent jokes that you and a coworker are cheating on your jealous spouses with each other, you and you're not, or have a secret affair at work when you're both single, but have to make up excuses and lies are covered up at least twice a day and you might get caught? Uh, Tom, what would you do in this situation? Which one would you take? Uh, I guess I'd take the first one because at least, you know, I know that nothing's going on. So, like, whatever these people are insinuating, I can go to hell i don't care about them they're just people i work with <laughs> okay all right lauren how do you look at it i'm going with the first one also because i'm rarely bothered by uh jokes or assumptions as, as long as i know they're not true or they're not based on anything true but i'm a really bad liar and i know for <laughs> sure i would crack under the pressure i would be the reason i got caught <laughs> this, after our last episode i have so many questions <laughs> <laughs> Um, that actually, that's a really good reason, though, to take your choice. Um, I'm actually, so to be honest with you, I think the word jealous in the first one is the one that throws me off because I don't think I would want to deal with either a jealous partner or somebody else's jealous partner, you know, uh, suspecting something because it's commonly accepted as that's what's actually happening. All right. That seems like that's a lot of hassle that could affect you even in the workplace that I would want to avoid. However, however, while I wouldn't describe myself as a good liar, like I think that I could cover up for some important things. I think I could find ways to not talk about it or try to play it off. Um, although, eventually, I would probably get caught. That part is definitely true. 
Uh, but I think I would still rather deal with that than the idea of some sort of jealousy or some sort of nonsense because, you know, that could be, that could, that could not go so well sometimes. Okay. Uh, moving on to question number three. Uh, would you rather have your assistant tell everyone unflattering details about your relationship with a coworker or have a meeting with your boss and coworker about concerns over you and your coworker dating? Right? Would you rather have your assistant tell everyone unflattering details about your relationship with the coworker or have a meeting with your boss and coworker about concerns over you and your coworker dating? So I think we're at Lauren, right? I think so. Right. Um, I'm going to go with the second one. Okay. Uh, have, a, have a meeting with my boss and coworker over concerns about me and my coworker dating. So I think a boss usually understands that they're required to keep things confidential. So like it uh. might be kind of humiliating in that moment in that room with those three people but it probably won't leave that room Interesting. i would hope <laughs> if the boss does their job <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point that's a good point tom what do you think uh yeah I, I would go with lauren on that one too i think it's yeah better just to keep it that's it's a little more contained than having everybody know yeah i just don't want to have that meeting with the boss <laughs> like, I, like I'm just like I, uh, man that just I've been in too many meetings with bosses <laughs> to have any faith that this is going to go my way so uh, you know, like it there's would, a history here it would be it would be annoying I think for for somebody to be telling stuff but eventually I would just stop telling that co-worker things that were going on you know I just would, would dry that up so I think I would actually go with the first one in this case maybe you could even make up unflattering details about that person to start spreading around <laughs> How do you like it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lord, I literally last last episode, I literally apologized for being immature at work. So I, don't <laughs> I think you're taking me a step in the wrong direction right now. Oh, no. We're backsliding now. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you're right. I don't apologize. <laughs> I should have gone more. Like, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, all right. Let's go to our last would you rather. Um, would you rather have a coworker that constantly tries to finish your sentences or have a coworker who every time you hand something to another person will ask, what was that? All right, would you have a, rather have a coworker that constantly tries to finish your sentences or a coworker, I'm sorry, have a coworker who every time you hand something to another person will ask, what was that? Uh, Tom, which one would you rather take in that scenario? Uh, the second one, I think like having somebody try to finish your sentences would be really annoying. So I'd rather have somebody just ask, what, what was that? And then I can just make stuff up like, you know, Oh, that was a flux. That was a flux capacitor. That was that was, uh, it was a set of fallopian tubes, or you know, just any kind of thing like that. Okay, all right, that's that's definitely a way to go with it, Florin, Which one would you pick? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm a little taken aback by fallopian tubes. <laughs> well, my brother, my brother, when he was in the air force, they used to send like new guys to the hospital and tell them to go and ask for a case of fallopian tubes. Oh. That's, that's just not nice. No, it's not. No. Not a nice thing to do. Um, okay. Um, I'm going with the second one also um, for a similar reason. I think I could turn it into a game. Like, if I know this person's always going to be, like, asking what I'm handing off, I would just start bringing in the most random stuff from home. And I would tell them what it is, but then they would have to wonder, why is it here at work? Why are you handing it to that person, you know? That's, Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just kind of like, once again, I'm going the other way. I think I pretty much got the other way than you two on this one. I think, like, having somebody be so inquisitive about what I'm always giving people would actually get under my skin more than someone who tries to finish my sentences. Because I'd either get to be like, don't do that in front of other people. <laughs> like, don't do that. Don't. Uh, which I know would get annoying, but I'd also at some point try to start leading them in different directions. Like, I understand, like, I would try to start a sentence for them to finish just to see where they were going with it. Uh, so I would turn that part into my little game instead of uh, what, what it was that was being handed off. Uh, I would get l- much less annoyed than somebody. Every time I handed something, somebody, like, what was that? What's that about? Who's that for? Like, I'd be like, live your life, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> and uh, we've got to make sure that we have uh, an even three for all people. So we have a fifth consequence, which is just having a mildly embarrassing detail about yourself get posted on Twitter by somebody with a large number of followers. Uh, so there's no real choice there. That is just an unfortunate consequence that you get to have as we draft. So we're going to do our draft, and then we're going to come right back with the results. And we're back after having completed the draft, and here's how everyone's day went. Uh, Lauren's day was having your first name be a traditionally gendered name for the opposite sex. Uh, have everyone at your job assume and openly make frequent jokes that you and a coworker are cheating on your jealous spouses with each other, and have a meeting with your boss and coworker about concerns over you and your coworker dating. Tom's day went like having a secret affair at work, both single, but have to make up excuses and lies to cover it up at least twice a day and may get caught. Have a coworker who every time you hand something to another person will ask, "What was that?" And have a mildly embarrassing detail about himself get posted on Twitter by someone with a large number of followers. And my crappy day would be having the same name as a popular, instantly recognizable, somewhat divisive celebrity. Uh, I would have my assistant telling everybody unflattering details about my relationship with a coworker, and have a coworker that constantly tries to finish my sentences. So, of all of our days, Lauren has the least sucky day, mostly because if her first name is judicially a man's name and everybody at work is making jokes about it and then she has to sit down with the boss about it, I just find that hilarious. Like, if your name was Carl, like, hey, uh, you hear about Carl and Larry, huh? Carl and Larry getting it on. All right? Like, hey, Carl and Larry. Open jokes. And then the boss is like, I had to talk to Carl and Larry today about their relationship. I, I don't know. Like that, that just cracks me up. I think, I think that you'd have to enjoy that to some degree, even though none of it is good. And that makes Lauren not only the round winner, but our overall ABSA winner for the episode. Congratulations, hey, Lauren. Hey, thank you. What do you have to say to the people? Um, I have to say, uh, bask in the glow of my adequatequatulence. <laughs> <laughs> Truer words never spoken. Um, it radiates off of you, clearly. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody. That is our part A of the episode. We hope you'll join us for a more informal discussion of the breakup in part B. Uh, until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your Hoodoo needs. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your Hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. 
please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever. <laughs>